Amen. Well, today I want to share some things with you guys that have been um, burning in my heart the last couple of weeks, things that I've been wrestling with. Uh, I wasn't scheduled to preach today. Um, somebody else was scheduled to preach today, but I do believe that this is uh, God-ordained. And uh, we're going to talk about something that is not an easy topic to talk about, so if you guys can just take your metaphorical buckle, bell buckle, or not bell buckle, your car seat, and buckle up a little bit, it's going to be a ride. But I want to address the question, uh, is there ever a time when we as Christians should wear face masks for the sake of other people? You're like, oh, I want to leave. The doors are locked. Just so you know, the doors are locked. And online, uh, we locked your doors too. Um, but the passage that we're dealing with in First Peter uh, is actually one of those passages that we might want to skip over. But I just want to challenge us to listen biblically to what God would have us do. Now, I know this topic is loaded, all right? And I'm not, I'm not talking about this because it'll be, you know, fun or anything like that. This is not easy, but it's important, okay? So what I want to challenge you to do is listen, um, not through a medical lens, because we have lots of people in here that are, that are medical professionals. So what I'm not going to do is try to argue medically. Here's what masks do, don't do. What I'm not going to do is, is argue politically. Here's what we think politically or not politically. But what I want to do is I want to argue biblically. What does scripture teach us um, in situations like this? And don't worry, we're not going to talk just about masks because that would be dumb. That would be lame. Uh, but we do want to draw out principles, though, that guide us in every area of life. This will help you in marriage. Uh, this will help you um, in relationships. This will help you um, as a church family, and this will help you as parents, and this will help you in so many ways. So the first passage we're going to look at, I'm going to give you three principles today, because the sermon would not be complete without three, three uh, points in a poem. So three principles, that's literally what they teach you in seminaries, three points in a poem. But uh, three principles, and uh, the first one is going to come, or the first passage we're going to look at is in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 13 to 15 um, to start with. No joke, here is the passage that we scheduled to talk about today, uh, months ago. And uh, here's what it says. It's going to be on the screen for you. I am going to allow you to be lazy uh, because I want, I want clarity um, uh, in today's, today's time. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Uh, Peter is writing to the Christians a passage that is hard for 21st century free-born Americans to hear. But he says this. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Everybody say, for the Lord's sake. To every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And my message title for today is For God's Sake. For God's Sake. 2020. Wow. What a year. Right? I had no idea that we'd find so many different ways to be polarized or to be divided as people um, than what we have found this year. Right? Whether it's uh, lockdowns or uh, Black Lives Matters, or defund the police, or 
um, or whatever it is, there are so many opportunities, if we, if we were to let them, to divide us and to separate us as, as human beings and as Christians. I never would have guessed that uh, a little cloth that we put on our faces would be so divisive. But people have strong feelings. Have you noticed this? People have strong feelings about this little thing. That's why you guys are so quiet right now. I understand. I get it. Uh, there are people who have taken other people's lives over this. Uh, it's crazy how much this uh, seeks to divide us. Um, some passages we're going to read today. Uh, we might be tempted to think that the people uh, that are the original audience of the Bible had it much easier. They don't live in 2020. They didn't have all these weird uh, issues to face. But I promise you that they face just as divisive of issues as we potentially face today. The good news is that the Bible gives us some very clear and good guidance, though. It gave to them, and it gives it to us. See, one of the challenges that early Christians faced is that Christianity, uh, for the most part, in the early days, was a predominantly Jewish movement. Um, it was Jewish because, for one, its founder, Jesus, was Jewish. There you go. Yep. Yeah, you could say Jesus, but that'd be redundant. Uh, I, I don't feel like you guys are willing to take this trip with me yet. You guys ready to go on this trip with me? Okay. So Christianity was predominantly Jewish because Jesus was Jewish. His 12 disciples were Jewish. All right, thank you. <laughs> Madeline's got it. Uh, and so they struggled in the early days to, to understand how much of Christianity is tied up in Judaism and how much of it is separate from Judaism. So one of the early questions, if you read the book of Acts, one of the early questions as people were coming to faith in Jesus, saying, yes, I'm on the Jesus train. I believe he died for my, for my sins and rose from, from the dead. The question was, do I have to become a Jew to be a Christian? And to us, that question doesn't make any sense. But to them, it made a lot of sense. Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are Jewish. Do I have to follow all the Jewish laws and rituals in order to be a follower of Jesus? That was a legitimate, honest question. And it's questions like, don't I, don't I have to eat only certain foods? And don't I have to worship on certain days and in certain places? Don't I have to wear my hair certain ways? And thank goodness we live in what we call the New Testament era, where we recognize we don't relate to God by following rules. We relate to God through a relationship and through what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Um, thankfully, we live in a New Testament relationship with God. But they had serious questions, and these questions sought to divide them. Some people had one opinion. Other people had another opinion. And I would, I would expect that uh, tantamount or paramount on that list of possible division things would be none other than the issue of circumcision. Now, to us, we're like, uh, let's not talk about that, for one, but that doesn't seem like a weird thing. But for the first century uh, Gentiles, especially those who were not Jews, that was not a common practice for everybody. But Jews, that was a common practice. So they honestly, they're raising questions. And Peter talks about, Paul talks about, uh, excuse me, uh, guys, if I want to follow Jesus, do I have to do that? Like, it seems silly, but that was an honest question. And there's lots of strong opinions. And so lots of the New Testament is seeking to address these issues of what people had differing ideas upon. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 14 for a few minutes. And we'll jump back into 2 Peter chapter 2. But Romans chapter 14 is a great chapter where they're arguing about what they eat. They're arguing, is it okay to eat these types of food or should I eat these types of foods? 
And so uh, Paul gives some clarity on this. So Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 1, Paul says this. He says, Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So one's a vegetarian and one's not, and they're arguing with each other. And Paul basically just says, you know what, this is not a matter of right and wrong morally. This is a matter of conscience. You decide what is best for you, you decide what is best for you, and stop fighting over this with each other. The one who eats everything must not treat the one with contempt, the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted or accepted them both. He goes on to say in verses 5 through 7, one person considers one day more sacred than another. So now they're arguing about special holidays. Well, you celebrate this day and you celebrate this day. Again, this is not morally right or wrong. Stop arguing about these things. Um, each of you should, should be fully convinced in your own mind, so that's an area of conscience or personal conviction. Whoever regards one day as special, do that as to the Lord. Whoever eats meat, do that as to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains, do that to the Lord and give thanks to God, for none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Verse, 14, verse 13, I'm going to skip down. He says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block in front of someone else. So what he says is, in areas of freedom, so where the Bible is clear, we obey those areas. Where the Bible leaves it open, where there's freedom, we should not be passing judgment on one another. Instead, be committed to not letting what you do be a stumbling block for what somebody else does. Does this make sense? I'll just give you a quick example. Um, in my own life, um, so what the Bible teaches about alcohol um, is that alcohol, drinking alcohol is not a sin. And everybody's like, yes, amen, right? I don't know. Uh, but the Bible does teach that drunkenness is a sin. For me, in my life, what I've chosen to do, what I feel like God has me, is that uh, I abstain from alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. Um, and for me, it's simply a matter of I, I'm willing to give up my license to do that so that I don't cause someone else to stumble. Because somebody else may have a problem with alcohol, and I don't want to be the, the cause of them stumbling with that issue. Does that make sense? So I am willing to give up something for someone else's, uh, I don't want to put a stumbling block in place of someone else. So he goes on to say this in verse 15, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone else for whom Christ died. He goes on in verse 19 through 21, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but if it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Then he says something else that's pretty challenging, I think applies to us today as well. Look at verse 22. He says, so whatever you believe about these things, so he's about these things where there's freedom, whatever you believe about eating certain things or drinking certain things or celebrating certain days or not celebrating other days, he says, so whatever you believe about these things, what does he say? Keep and everyone on social media. 
<laughs> You're listening, I know, that's good. That's challenging, isn't it? He's saying, you know what, over disputable matters where scripture isn't clear, you have freedom. You get to choose based on what God has placed in your heart to abstain or not to abstain, to wear, to not wear. But we should default to serving each other by our choices. And you know what? In these areas of, of opinion, it'd be better if you keep your mouth shut. That's what he says. All right, I'm done. I don't want to hear any more of this. This is, this is, this is silly. I don't want to talk about this topic. I'm kidding. So I would say, uh, so if you think that you are the stronger one, the one with stronger faith, uh, because you wear a mask, that you should bear with those and not judge those who don't. If you think you are the stronger one for not wearing a mask, you should bear with those and not judge those who do. Would you guys prefer if we talk about like actual real things that we're dealing with in our everyday lives? I'm just kidding. That's pretty direct, isn't it? But that's the application. And he says, and in areas of freedom, essentially, we need to keep our opinions to ourselves. Why? Because it would only seek to cause division, and it could potentially put a stumbling block in, fr in front of somebody else. So here's the key principle, number one, is that in areas of disagreement, we are to bear with one another. We are to have grace for one another. In areas where the Bible is not explicit or clear, we need to have grace and bear with one another. Now the second principle is this, and this is going to be jumping back to 1 Peter chapter 2, but the second principle is this, that unless, God, unless it goes against God's law, we should obey governing authorities. I don't like this one. Anybody else? Yeah. I would rather read some other verses from 1 Peter, but he makes it pretty clear. Here's what he says again. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Well, there's got to be some qualifiers, right? If the governor is this political party, then I don't have to submit to them. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, if you have a sign yard that describes our current governor, uh, our governor is then you don't have to. Uh, I don't think so. I don't have to raise hands, but uh, how many of you were secretly happy to find out that President and Mrs. Trump tested positive for COVID? You don't have to, don't, I'm not asking, but that should, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't gloat in something like that. We shouldn't have those kinds of, we should honor and respect regardless of who it is, regardless of political party, regardless of even what they do. Scripture calls us to have a higher stance than that, as that stance of love and honor and respect for all of those in human authority because we recognize that God has ultimately placed them there. Whether we understand why or not, whether we agree or not, God has placed them there. So unless, God's, unless it goes against God's law, we should obey governing authorities. This includes things like as simple as driving the speed limit. Or that five-mile-an-hour buffer over. Uh, no? Am I, okay, never mind. All right. This, this is areas like paying taxes and not cheating the system and obeying law enforcement and, yes, possibly even wearing face masks. Uh, I found this interesting as I've been kind of journeying through some of this myself uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, my, 
my family went to a, like a historical village uh, recently, and they went to this doctor's office, and it's kind of time period in the early 1900s, and obviously we all are aware of the, the Spanish flu or the Spanish uh, pandemic that happened in 1918, 1919, and uh, this picture was there. My wife took a picture of it. Uh, from what I know, not Photoshop, but this is what the picture was. You guys see the sign that the person's holding? Wear a face mask or go to jail. See, this isn't the first time that we've been called upon to do things like this. And I'll be honest with you, this is not a message, this is not a, a place that I have wanted to be personally um, on these topics. But what I want to challenge you to consider today, what I had a hard time as I studied scripture I find lots of arguments for why I should be willing to wear a face mask, and I can't find arguments for why I shouldn't be willing to wear a face mask. Now, these, these things apply in lots of other areas, but that's just one specific application. And I'm open to listening. If you, have, if you can make for me a Bibli- an argument from the Bible, um, I'm, I want to hear that, but I've struggled as I've studied Scripture to see that. So when, when Peter is writing to the Christians in the first century, he's saying submit to governing authorities. You have to also understand the context. This is the Roman Empire. This is not a democratic republic like we live in. These are non-elected officials. This is the Roman emperor, soon to be Nero, who was brutal and harsh, especially toward Christians. And then they would set up governors who would govern and oversee certain areas, not elected officials, but rulers who would rule as tyrants in many ways. And yet, in this circumstance, Peter is saying to the Christians, I want you to be a good citizen. I want you to submit, be submitted. Now listen, not for the governor's sake, not for other people's sake, but why? For the Lord's sake. For God's sake. You guys heard, ever heard the phrase, for Pete's sake? I think that's kind of a funny phrase in context in the light of we're going through First Peter. For Pete's sake. <laughs> for Peter's sake. <laughs> and honestly, as I studied the origins of that phrase, uh, it does come from a substitute. Uh, the substitute is substituting Pete's sake for Christ's sake. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, they started substituting that. Sometimes, obviously, people would use the phrase for Christ's sake um, as a slang or as a derogatory thing, as a negative thing. But it should be a positive thing. What Peter's arguing is that you should do this for God's sake. For the Lord's sake, I want you to submit um, to human authorities. It grinds against something internally within us, but it's a principle that we see in Scripture. So for me, then, this third principle is the most compelling um, that has challenged me the most, and that is this, that as Christians, we should be willing to set aside our preferences for the sake of others and their preferences. So as I look at scripture, I don't see anything specifically that tells me I need to wear a mask or not wear a mask. So let me go by principles. The first principle is, in areas of disagreement, we bear with one another. Second principle is, unless it goes against God's law, we should obey governing authorities. Third principle is that we should be willing, as a general rule, we should be willing to set aside our preferences for the sake of other people's preferences. This goes back to Romans chapter 14, when Paul is arguing that if you're eating or you're drinking or whatever it is that you're doing is causing someone else to stumble, then we should willingly give up our preferences so that other people can succeed. 
couple ways that we can see this apply. If you grew up in the church, you will understand the phrase when I say this. You'll understand the phrase worship wars. Anybody know what I mean by worship wars? Let me, let me enlighten you if you don't know. <laughs> so uh, if you've grown up in the church, as generations age and as, as churches change, um, as culture change, music style also changes. And so there's usually a worship war where people who like worship a certain way. So like not, no drums, we need an organ and we need a piano and we need a hymnal and we need to sing songs from the hymn book, you know, for Pete's sake. We need to sing out of that book because that is the way that God ordained it. And those are preferences. Nothing in scripture says you have to worship this way with these instruments, with this style of music. We have freedom in that. So what, what usually happens is it's usually older people who tithe to the church, say, we don't want to change this, and if you change this, we're going to stop giving. That is one of the most sinful things, most evil things a person can do. We need to be willing to sacrifice our preferences for the sake of other people. Um, what I'm saying is evil is that, that, uh, that, that um, the use of my giving and tithing as a, as a weapon of manipulation um, within a group of people. That's, that's not right. So we need to be willing to sacrifice our preferences for the sake of us. Let me give you some other applications. This applies in marriage. Oh, does this apply in marriage? I would say this is marriage. A willingness to sacrifice your own preferences. If you haven't learned to do that, then your marriages either will have or will continue to struggle. You have to be willing to sacrifice your own preferences for the sake of that other person that now bears the same name as you. That's how the two people become one, is that it's a mutual submission to each other. I lay down my life for you, you lay down your life for me. If, if a, per, a couple is not willing to do that, they will not have a healthy, successful marriage. You have to, it's called mutual submission. I lay down my life and my preferences for you. This applies to parenting. Parents learn to sacrifice their time because did you realize that the kids don't bring equal value to the, the family that you bring to the family? No, it's not equal. It's you lay down a lot of your lives to serve them. And maybe one day they will thank you. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's, it's this willingness to lay down our preferences. Uh, moms, you understand this to a degree that, that men don't, that, that dads don't. You literally lay, sacrifice your own body uh, for the sake of the children that you bear and that you raise. It's, it's, it's what we do. This is growing up. I know I'm no longer a child who throws tantrums when I don't get my way. Instead, I see the needs of others, and I am maturing in my faith, and I lay down my preferences for the good of others. This is what Jesus did, right? This is exactly, precisely what Jesus did. If anybody had a claim to rights, guess who it is? Jesus. I am the son of God, doggone it, for Pete's sake. I like that phrase. I'm going to keep using that. I don't care how much it annoys you. I'm going to keep using it. But if anybody could, could claim rights and say, this is who I am, you don't have any right to do this, it would be Jesus. But we see Jesus washing his disciples' feet, serving them. We see Jesus going with the Roman authorities to the cross and submitting himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? To serve all of us. That's what he does. To serve us. 
one of the big questions, and I have wrestled with this, and I have thought this, and I have felt this, um, is aren't we just simply um, perpetuating fear? There is an element of fear involved in this, isn't there? But I would just argue that it's not that simple. You guys know the phrase, it's complicated? It's complicated. One of the conversations that helped me in this area was a few weeks ago, I was on a conference call with our elder team. We have um, a team of elders. We have four elders and myself. And so we're just talking through, and I just expressed to them my heart, and I just said, you know, honestly, guys, I said, um, right now there's a whole segment of our church family that isn't able to get together uh, because of this issue, um, and I am not okay with that. What can we do? What can we do? so that more of the body of Christ can come together. And we could say, well, they just need to get over it. But I don't think that's the answer. And as I talked with these guys on this call, we have great godly men. Uh, one of them who works for a bank. He's got a beard. You know, if he, if he, whenever he wanted to, he'd have a beard down to his belly button. Um, and he would not want to wear a mask ever. right? He's, I think he's up north this weekend, just kind of, Matt, <laughs> what, you should be here. Um, and then we have another elder who uh, runs his own business, um, great, smart man of God, but his family has real legitimate health risks. Um, so for them, that's the aspect of it. Uh, we have another one of our elders who is a pediatrician, so he sees families and kids all day long, and so he has things, he has considerations he has to make. And then we have another elder who oversees a senior living facility, a several hundred uh, client facility, and so for each one of them, it's nuanced in different ways. So we can't just simply say it's a matter of fear, because honestly, uh, for, for, for many of them, for some of them, if they were to attend our church where we are not wearing masks, they could lose their job, because we're not wearing masks. And I guarantee you, for every single one of these people, their decisions are not driven by fear. They're making decisions based on faith. And it's very complicated. It's not as simple. Are there some people who wear masks out of fear? Yes. And we should encourage them not to be fearful. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We are not afraid of the future. We are not afraid of the elections. We are not afraid of a virus. We are not afraid of death. We are not afraid. Let me ask you another question. Are there some people who don't wear masks? And, and it's motivated by fear? The answer is yes. It seems counterintuitive, but there are some people who don't wear masks because they're afraid. They're afraid of feeling claustrophobic. They're afraid of what other people will think of them. They're afraid of losing their rights. So to those who don't wear masks because of fear, we need to encourage them to not let any decisions be driven by fear. See, it's complicated, right? It's nuanced. It's not that simple. But the principles I see in Scripture guide me and direct me and lead me to say, I should be willing to do something like this because it doesn't go against God's law. It only probably just violates my pride. And if I can serve other people, I'm not making a medical argument. I'm not making a political argument. I'm making a Christian biblical argument. I think that we should be willing to do this for the sake of of other people. And as hard as I tried, I cannot find a biblical reason. And I want, I want to find one. 
I have not found a biblical reason uh, why I uh, can re- reject that idea. Here is Paul's approach, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul said, um, though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. He goes on to say, to the Jew, I become like a Jew. To the Gentile, I become like a Gentile. To win as many as possible. See, there's a higher calling. There's a higher reason. There's a higher argument. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And honestly, this should be our approach to all of life. That we should be constantly willing to lay down and sacrifice our lives for the sake of those around us. Um, So one of the things, one of the changes we're making as a church uh, moving forward, uh, beginning next Sunday actually, and I, I wonder if maybe this isn't even far enough, but um, we've wrestled with the different options. Every church is unique. Um, our space is, is what it is in this 25 by 45 room, 1,100 square feet. Many of your homes are larger than this room right here. Um, and this is where we find ourselves. So we can either say, you know what, masks are optional. You don't have to wear masks, and that, that alienates a group of people. Uh, we can mandate masks the whole time, and that alienates a group of people. Uh, we've talked about, should we make people wear masks in the hallways? And when you get in here, you can take them off, but the room is just what it is. <laughs> so instead, what we're doing, and it may not be the perfect solution, and it may, be, may not be the last solution, but in an effort to unify the body and, and serve other people, uh, what we're doing is at beginning next Sunday, um, we're having one service, the 930 service, where masks are required. And this service, the 11 o'clock service, where masks are encouraged, uh, but not required. And again, that may not even be far enough, according to the spirit of what the Bible says, but we're trying to not let this be an issue that divides the church, but allows us to come together um, to worship together. I know that's a struggle for for everyone at different levels, but we have to give each other grace as we move forward. So are you willing to lay down your preferences for the sake of others? Let me share with you one last little example and story, and we'll close with this. So I, I count it a privilege. When I was in college, I had the privilege to travel to the country of Cuba. And I put, that's like one of the like little notches. Uh, I just, that's a unique thing that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do. So I was in college. Uh, we traveled there with a missionary, my dad, my brother, and myself. And I had a great time just visiting uh, different Christians in that country. I felt like we were traveling with the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's this guy that says, yeah, last time I was here, there were some people who came to faith in Christ here, and they started a little church in their home. And so we drove through the island of Cuba visiting churches, kind of like Paul would have done in the New Testament visiting um, Christians. And uh, if you know much about Cuban culture, uh, they love coffee. If you know much about your pastor, he don't love coffee. Uh, I've tried to grow up in and be an, be an adult. I just can't handle coffee. Um, I love the smell of coffee. So when my dad was a pastor growing up, they would have a cough, fresh cu- pot of coffee in his office. And uh, I would go in there between services, and I would open up the lid, and I would just smell the coffee. I love the smell of coffee. I can't stand the taste of it. I love the smell of it. Give me a hot chocolate, kid's temperature, and I will be happy all day long. <laughs> so we go there, and uh, it's part of their culture to serve their guests their best coffee. 
that we go to one person's home, it's in the middle of the afternoon, and we sit down, there's maybe like a dozen of us, and uh, we have a translator, and uh, we're talking, we're catching up, and they bring out this whole tray of coffee, and uh, my dad's eyes just light up, like he's excited, he's in heaven, and my brother and I both, neither one of us have grown up, we love Mountain Dew, not coffee, and so we're there just going like, ah, what are we going to do, but you don't want to say no, you don't want to insult their culture, right, and so we take this, this coffee, and it is piping hot, and uh, we're just kind of sitting there, and we're kind of blowing on it, trying to get it to cool down. My dad just guzzling it. He just downs it. And uh, so we were sitting on a bench. It was myself and my dad and my brother. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't talk about this plan. We didn't d- say anything. It just kind of happened. Uh, God was there. But here's what happened. My dad drank his coffee and just loved it, downed it. It's, this is bold. This is Cuban coffee. There's no, there's no fluffy stuff in this coffee. There's no sugar. There's no creamer. There's no flavoring. It is... You're basically just drinking coffee beans at that point. That is coffee, isn't it? Yeah, okay, there we go. And so he drinks it, he sets his down, and my brother Jeff takes his full one, because we were trying, but we just couldn't get it. Uh, And so my brother Jeff sets his cup down next to my dad's, and he grabs my dad's empty cup (laughs) and just starts holding that. My dad picks up on what's going on, because he knows we don't like coffee. He grabs my brother's full cup, and he just starts drinking that one. And then he finishes that one, he sets it down, and then I take my full one, and I set it down. I grab that empty one, and he grabs my cup. My dad drank three cups of coffee uh, in that afternoon sitting. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, the idea, is, and I think this is kind of Paul's approach. Paul's approach, if you were to put a phrase to Paul's approach, is when in Rome, right? When in Rome. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. If it doesn't go against God's word or God's commands, when in Rome, do as Romans do. Seek to honor those around you. Seek, seek to serve those around you. And I think this is a simple, simple thing that we can do to serve other people. Again, it's complicated. I know. I know. But what I see in Scripture is that I'm called to lay down my preferences for the sake of others. And I want to ask you, are you willing to do the same thing? Not just in this issue, but in all the issues that are facing us in 2020, are you willing to honor other people and respect them? And show grace to them. Are you willing to serve them by laying down your preferences in your marriage? As a parent, um, as, as somebody who's maturing in their faith, this is a sign of maturity, is that we're willing to do things we don't necessarily want to do, um, but we do them because God is calling us to do them. So I'm going to ask you to check your heart. And um, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to pray together. Would you guys go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you that your word gives us uh, clarity. I thank you that your word is um, living and active. It is alive. It is not a dead book. These are not dead words on a page. These are words spoken by your spirit that are true. And they were true 2,000 years ago in a complicated and difficult culture and they are true today in a complicated and difficult culture Father thank you for your grace that allows us to grow and allows us to change so God my main prayer right now is for us that you give us the right heart that you would search our hearts 
And God, that we would never be motivated or driven by fear. Never. Help us as a body of Christ to take bold stands. We are not afraid. But then God, give us the wisdom to be able to navigate these complex issues in our culture. And I believe there are ways to still express peace and, and uh, assurance in you um, regardless of, of the mask stuff. So God, I pray for all those who have been a part of our church family that have been isolated these past few months because of this issue. God, please forgive us for not being willing to serve them. God, I pray that you'd strengthen those that are feeling isolated today. I pray that you'd strengthen those who feel like um, they're, they're out there by themselves and that we would fight for one another as a church family. God, we need your wisdom. We need your grace. These things are not easy. But Holy Spirit, thank you for being a part of our lives and guiding and directing us. We thank you for, for being with us and helping us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.